Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Big Football Show, a podcast from The Athletic about Big Ten football. I'm Mitch Sherman in Nebraska. Scott Docterman in Iowa is with me. On this show and every Wednesday, we talk about the Big Ten West, also known as the division dominated by Northwestern right now. Scott, there is a big game on tap this week in Evanston. We're going to talk about that, but can we just take a minute first? to talk only about the Cats and not about Wisconsin. Northwestern went on the road last week, won at Purdue 27-20. Pat Fitzgerald's team is 4-0 and in league play for the first time since 1996. It is playing like the Indiana of the West. What is going on on the north side of Chicago in your view, Scott? Wow, that's, that's quite an entry there, uh, Mitch. I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out myself. Now, this is a team that defensively was really good last year. It just had such a putrid offense. It it couldn't hang on. It just, you know, when they were at like 40 minutes of time of possession for the opposing offense, it just couldn't hang on. What's now that they have Peyton Ramsey, a pretty good running game. I think that they've, uh, and, and they, they're very competitive. And I mean, what we saw, I saw them in Iowa City. You saw them in Evanston. Uh, what we yeah. saw in Purdue um, those three games, they're, they're all one-score games, and they're just very consistent. They're tough. They're physical. Uh, they know what they are. They don't try to do anything dumb. I, I just, I really like the way they've played, and, and um, I think they were the better team against Purdue. Um, you know, I think Purdue has a couple of NFL players, but I think they're the better team. And certainly, Pat Fitzgerald has coached in this league a long, long time, and he's um, still one of the best coaches in America, in my opinion. And he's won more one-score games over the last 16 years than any coach in the country. Northwestern has won more one-score games than any program in the country during his time. So there's something about his style and just the style of football that Northwestern plays that consistently gets it into those kind of games. And because the Cats have been in those games repeatedly, seemingly week after week, year after year in the games that I've covered between Northwestern and Nebraska. You know it's going to be a game that comes down to one score. It was, again, an eight-point game this year a couple of weeks ago in Evanston, and, and Northwestern is comfortable in those games. There, there, there's something about the playing in so many of them that I think from the sideline all the way down to everything that's happening on the field, even the guys on the bench – they just they, they they thrive in those kind of situations, and this year in the Big Ten, that has been the story for Northwestern to be able to win those close games since the since the opener against Maryland, which was a blowout. So this week, Northwestern has a bigger challenge. Welcomes in Wisconsin, which came off of the COVID protocol and 
played lights out at Michigan on Saturday night. Wisconsin wins 49 to 11. Now goes to Northwestern, which has been kind of a house of horrors for um, Barry Alvarez's program over the years. I say Barry Alvarez because this predates Chris, the, the lack of success that Wisconsin has had at Northwestern. Why, in your opinion, has, has Wisconsin struggled to play well at Northwestern? It really all goes into the same thing that it's why Iowa has struggled against Northwestern. It's why Nebraska, Michigan State, you know, because they're all built in similar fashion. Certainly, you know, the Badgers, the Hawkeyes, and, and the Spartans are that they play almost risk averse football, defensive football. And so does Northwestern. Northwestern has smart players that take care of the ball. They're patient. They're tough. I mean, they, they Pat Fitzgerald's six and three at Kinnick Stadium. And, and then you look at, at what they are against Wisconsin since 2000. Uh, it's a 7-7 series against Wisconsin. In Evanston, Northwestern's 5-1 against the Badgers. The only loss was in 2016 where the Badgers were number eight and uh, the Wildcats just weren't that good. So you look at they're, they're able to just play that style of football, frustrate you, take what's available, and as you mentioned, one-score games. And – um, you know, there have been some teams, Iowa's been really close to Wisconsin, but kind of the same deal is that Northwestern, when it's comfortable, it's smart, it's efficient, it's well coached. It's got all those intangibles to go along with some pretty good skill position players. So, you know, uh, it's interesting because Indiana, Indiana is the darling of the Big Ten right now at four and oh, because Indiana has never done this. This is like Kansas of the Big 12 back in like 2007, you know, that just doesn't happen very regularly, except I think Indiana has actually had a worse history than in, than the Kansas. Uh, but that's about to change this weekend. Northwestern was one and eight this last year. They were three and nine in Big Ten play. They've actually, last year, they scored 114 points in Big Ten play. They've scored 112 in four games so far this year. And that's what having a good, efficient quarterback does for you. Whereas last year it was... It was horrible. There wasn't anything else to say about it. We could spend an entire podcast breaking down the Kansas-Indiana comparisons there. Uh, (laughs) You're right on 2007 being the year to remember for Kansas. That was an Orange Bowl team, the Todd Reesing, Mark Mangino team, but we're not going to get too far into that. So Wisconsin, 230 Central on ABC, goes into Evanston to – the game of the year in the West. I think we can say right now, as we're a week away from Thanksgiving, that this is going to be the the, the, the it's the, at least it's set up as the game of the year. Maybe when Wisconsin and Iowa play, things will be uh, different enough on the schedule at that point that it becomes the game of the year. But right now, this is it with Wisconsin and Northwestern, and you have a Wisconsin team that is coming off a big win. After two weeks off at Michigan on Saturday night, as I mentioned, Graham Mertz came back from uh, about with COVID himself, and he didn't light up the stat sheet in the same way that he did in week one against Illinois. But in watching that game, so impressed with Wisconsin's methodical nature, just doing everything right in, in every phase of the game. And, you know, really that's kind of what Northwestern does, but Wisconsin does it with better talent, um, more playmaking ability, more explosiveness. So I think this is kind of strength against strength at Northwestern. 
on Saturday. And, and to me, it seems like really in all of those areas, maybe with the exception of those, well, with, with the, I would say with the exception of those Northwestern linebackers, Wisconsin has an edge. So I have a hard time looking at this and thinking, okay, well, it's at Northwestern. So Northwestern's, you know, going to, going to do it again, five out of six, make it six out of seven. I, I I'm, I'm, I've been as impressed with Wisconsin as any team in the country, really through two games, with with how efficiently the Badgers have played. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, the first game was just incredible against Illinois, and they didn't run the ball that well, but Graham Mertz, the way he played, showed that, you know, hey, four stars matter when you've got a quarterback like that. But what I was impressed with with Michigan, with him, uh, you know, again, his presence was good, but it was also his, uh, his ability to play fake. I mean, it is it's rare when you have a guy who can – just play action pass the way he, he does because the ball just disappears. It's like magic or something. And then I also look at, you know, the way they ran against Michigan. I mean, in the last two years, they've compiled 700 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns against the Wolverines. It's basically like if you reverse time, you just put the winged helmets on the Badgers uniforms. And that's kind of what it looked like 25 years ago. I just, uh, the way I was wondering going into that game, how rusty would Wisconsin be? Would they show any effects from a clear breakout of this pandemic? And then Michigan, I kind of thought, all right, this is their chance. It's in prime time against a, a quality opponent. Are they going to show some pride? And Wisconsin took it from them. Wisconsin just ran it on them in that first quarter to the point where Michigan just gave up. I think it was when it became 28 to nothing. And it looked like one of those concession touchdowns at the end of the game where maybe you're down by a point or something and you just say, let them score so we can get the ball back. But of course it was in the first quarter and uh, they just (laughs) took their manhood from them. (laughs) Yeah. For more on that and the reaction to that game, I'd encourage everybody to listen to Monday's episode with Scott and Nicole Auerbach. And they got a lot into into Michigan and what's wrong there and what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. But I thought you guys did a great job of breaking that game down. Um, And and of course it leads into our discussion here about the Badgers. Um, You know, what we want to get into next is the, you know, what comes out of Evanston on Saturday. And if the winner of that game is essentially on a, on a cruise control course to the West division title, does anybody else in this division, and I realize Iowa has now won two in a row after the two losses to start the year. Purdue still sitting there with the one loss. Does anyone else in this division, the West, have a shot, Scott, to get back into the race after we see the outcome in Evanston on Saturday afternoon? If Northwestern wins, I think it's over uh, because then they would own wins against Five and Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, North, you know, Nebraska. It it, yeah. it basically beats everybody in the West. So I don't think that there's really much of a chance if Northwestern wins. Now, I would pick Wisconsin to win the game. I think Wisconsin's the better team. I think it'll be close and competitive, but they're probably, in my eyes, just basically what I've seen, ten points better than the Wildcats, and there won't be anybody there. And Half of them would be Wisconsin fans anyway. But I do think that uh, if, if Wisconsin wins, there's an outside chance that an Iowa, a Purdue, or Nebraska could squeeze in there. Now, I'm looking at it like 3% chance. I'm not giving this, uh, you know, even a puncher's chance. I'm giving it a, you know, the guy turned his other cheek and 
you smacked him in the face in the twelfth round type of chance. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think you know, and really where it comes down to is if you get, but but then Northwestern would have to lose again, and Wisconsin it would have to lose, and say it comes down to Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern. It, then you've got the the record against the next highest placed team in the division, but not if it's unbalanced. So then it wouldn't count against Purdue or Nebraska because Wisconsin didn't play against them. And then it's the records it, against common opponents. It's just a weird scenario. Purdue still has has mighty Indiana, of course, on the schedule and much improved Rutgers. It would seem that Purdue, with just one loss right now, might be the team that could sneak back in there. But I would say from just watching the teams in the West over the last few weeks, really over the entire season, the team that looks most title contender worthy outside of Wisconsin and Northwestern is Iowa. And the way that Iowa has played the last couple of weeks against Michigan State and Minnesota looks like a team that could could challenge Wisconsin when that game comes around. So let's talk about Iowa. Iowa going into Penn State, 0-4 State, Definitely the wounded animal situation going on in Happy Valley this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on BTN. What should we look for in this game? I saw Penn State last week start to come alive, maybe, with Will Levis at quarterback in the second half. I know if I feel if he had played that entire game for four quarters, we'd have been looking at a different outcome, a flipped, flipped result uh, in Lincoln. But what do you think – going into that game. What do you expect from Penn State first? From Penn State, I think, yeah, there are two paths, and it's almost like what Michigan faced last week. I don't think they'll take the Michigan path. I think they're going to fight. We saw that in the second half. They've got good players. They haven't really quit on the season. The only game where I thought that they really underperformed was Maryland. I thought last week they played really bad in the first half, sloppy, you know, a fumble that went for a touchdown against them. What a, a an interception that really nearly a pick six. Yeah, yeah, that that really changed that game. But they fought in the second half. This is a team that still has some pretty good players on both sides of the ball. I think they've got you know a pretty decent defense that can rush the passer, uh, mm-hmm. and they can stop the run. So I, I look at Iowa and how can this game kind of match up. Number one, Iowa the last two weeks running the football has been incredible. I mean, 200-plus yards for what they do in the running game, that's devastating for an opponent because they it's a cumulative effect and it's very physical. So it's kind of like when Wisconsin grinds you into a, a meatball sandwich. It's kind of the same way here. And so I expect Penn State to, to box eight, you know, really load the box and, and dare Spencer Petras to beat them through the air. And Spencer Petras has been – really inconsistent, uh, inefficient. Um, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't try hard, but <laughs> he's not been very good. And so if Iowa runs the ball at a, at a three-yard per carry clip, they're going to have to try to do something in the pass game. Now they've got the receivers to do it, but the quarterback's been inconsistent. If they can, if he can complete some passes, I think Iowa's going to win by double digits. If not, this could come down to a fourth-quarter game, and Penn State still has, you know, Pat Fryermuth, who's maybe the best tight end in football and, and, and a wide receiver that's really good. And and Will Levis is a guy that they wanted in the worst way. He camped with Iowa. Uh, he was okay. almost ready to go to Iowa, and then Penn State offered, and he's from Connecticut. So 
uh, that ended that opportunity for the Hawkeyes. Interesting, because Levis, you know, he kind of has that look a little bit of a of an Iowa quarterback. I mean, it could see a little Nate Stanley in the in the way that he played. Uh, out on at Memorial Stadium last Saturday. I, I just wonder what Kirk Ferentz is going to do for an encore after his um, quote of the year uh, at the end of the game against Minnesota. And I know you talked about that on Monday's episode, so we won't go too into detail, but it was, of course, about the timeouts and about uh, Floyd. This was like, you know, new Kirk meets Kirk 3.0. I, I mean, I, I, I saw that and, you know, immediately they're talking about T-shirts so he's feeling pretty good. I mean, Kirk Ferentz doesn't drop that kind of a quote after, even after a big win against a rival, unless he's feeling pretty good about the way that his team is playing coming out of that thing. So, um, is this? It's a, it's such a strange dynamic because Iowa lost those two games at the start of the year and then has looked great since then. So I, I don't. This game on Saturday may tell us something about whether this is the Iowa team that we're going to see the rest of the year. Because I think the way that Penn State looked in the second half against Nebraska, it's kind of put up or shut up time. Penn State has never been 0-5 in the history of the program. So they're they're going to make their last stand, I would think, at home on uh, on Saturday afternoon. And if Iowa can, can find a way to get through that and look like the team we've seen the last two weeks, then you know I'm not going to pick against Iowa – uh, the rest of the year, um, save for maybe the Wisconsin game. So, um, yeah. and then we do have a week from now. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it next week right. on the show. But we've got the big one for the two teams that we cover: uh, Black Friday, Nebraska at Iowa. Before Nebraska gets to Iowa next week, post Thanksgiving, the Huskers will host Illinois Saturday, 11 a.m. Central, FS1, back at Memorial Stadium for a second consecutive home game. And Nebraska has a new quarterback. It's going to be most likely Luke McCaffrey again for the second straight week. He unseated Adrian Martinez, played a pretty good game against Penn State. It was choppy here and there. You're going to get some some good with the bad, I think, with Luke McCaffrey all the way through, even when he becomes, if he becomes a uh, a veteran starting quarterback at Nebraska. He made a, a, a completed a left-handed pass uh, mm-hmm. while under under pressure in that game, a big third down conversion that led to points. So I think we saw Nebraska begin to turn a corner, at least as it relates to this season. If, if it had been sitting 0 and three right now coming out of that Penn state game, I think that's when you start to worry about losing some of these guys, about the confidence of these players, but it's been an upbeat week, a very upbeat week at Nebraska coming off of that win, and I, I expect the Huskers to play well, maybe not 15 points better than than Illinois, as I've seen some spreads this week that, that blows my mind, but um, what do you think? What do you think Nebraska gets in Illinois with uh, now Brandon Peters back for the Illini? You know, there's a couple of things about Illinois that you have to be cognizant of. Uh, they usually have really good athletes. That doesn't mean they've ever been very good or haven't been for a long time, but still good athletes. They outrushed Rutgers 338 to 163. I mean, this is a team that runs the football effectively and they have been pretty good for a while. They hit as hard as any team in the league for the most part, and they love to force turnovers. And if Jake Hansen's there, he's all over the ball. Um, You know, I hope he's a bear someday. Uh, I think it's just, it's really, it, it's a team that's, I, I wouldn't say that they're good, but I would say they're a difficult matchup because it's like fighting a tree. 
you're just not you're gonna you're gonna get left with some marks you know so i mean you know isaiah williams you know had a terrific game 192 yards it um i think nebraska's got better players uh, but you just you're gonna know you're gonna be in a street brawl against the the lion eye and and they they fought, man. You know, they, they were kind of in the same position that Nebraska was in, and they did go to a bowl game last year, and uh, they, they missed some field goals late, and then they are able to make it happen. So I think this is a team that – I think they're going to give Nebraska a fight. I, I think Nebraska is a little bit better, and I think Nebraska should win. But I do also think that, you know, if, if adversity strikes, Illinois will take advantage of it. Yeah, I think Illinois is maybe the better positioned team if it turns into one of those days where there's a lot of adversity for for, for um, you know on, on either sideline. Nebraska has been a team really through the 27 games under Scott Frost that has struggled to deal with well, it's struggled to deal with success, but it's also struggled to deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. And maybe it faces adversity on Saturday at some point. You would think so with Illinois. Illinois is one of those teams that is going to throw a lot of things at you, especially this week with Williams. You don't know what you're going to get from him, the freshman quarterback who ran for almost 200 yards against Rutgers. I would expect Peters to be back at quarterback. He's he's Lovey's guy and, and gave Nebraska uh, fits at times last year in Champaign before the Huskers pulled that one out late. So I, I, I think it's going to be a brawl. I really do. And I'm totally with you on Illinois' physicality. That was a game that left more bruises on the Nebraska running backs and receivers and even Adrian Martinez at quarterback a year ago than just about any game that Nebraska played through the season. So mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's set up, I, I think, to be a real test and, 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 and a huge point in Nebraska's season because there's so much of a difference if the Huskers go into Iowa City next week at 2-2 two and two versus 1-3. and three. Yeah, and I think this is going to show us a lot about Nebraska, more so than Illinois, because I think Illinois – whatever result you're going to say, okay, and move on. But with Nebraska, if they can go in to a street fight and win and, and battle their way through it, I think then it's going to show, okay, they've got some mental toughness because let's face it, that's been kind of a question for quite a while, frankly, uh, about this program. And if they can do that, then, all right, then, then they're coming to Iowa and there's a, there's some pride at stake there. And, and as well as, you know, an outside chance, I suppose, at a, at a division title. But I think that's probably, for both programs, you just kind of put that in the back burner until it, it act, there's actually a chance for that. So I, I think this will show us a lot about Nebraska. Um, likewise, the Friday night game, um, I tell you what, you've got two of the best wide receivers in the country, uh, Purdue at, at Minnesota, when, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen with Rondale Moore. I've kind of forgotten about him practically, but uh, David Bell and Rashad Bateman are, um, to use PJ Flex word, elite. Um, they're, <laughs> I would say, of what I've seen this year, the Bell is a little bit better. And uh, as a sophomore, just because, well, he had three touchdowns in the game I covered. <laughs> and Bateman is uh, a guy you've got to be cognizant of, but. You know, I, I feel like Minnesota is going to break through with one of these games offensively. Um, defensively, though, they can, they're like a, a strainer without any strain. You know, it's just everything goes right through it. Okay. That's a good analogy. Why does Minnesota get to play every game on Friday night, seemingly? This is a third game for the Gophers on a, on a Friday night. It's a 6 30 BTN game. Um, 
Minnesota Fleck must have must have liked that time slot. I don't I don't know. It's, they, it's, they, it, they actually made a petition for it with the Big Ten and 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 their opponents agreed. You know, now Iowa Minnesota was going to be Friday night no matter what. Uh, and this was when they thought they were going to rush for the pig and they couldn't do that. But uh, but the other two, they they wanted to play on Friday night and get a little more exposure. Now, it's kind of interesting because your team, Nebraska, wanted it Friday night because of semester right. exams. Uh, but its opponent didn't really want that. Yeah, Nebraska wanted to play this game, the, yeah. this uh, this game against Illinois on Friday night because with the the fall semester ending at Thanksgiving, uh, final exams, instead of starting on Monday, they start on Saturday in Lincoln. No school on Thursday and Friday next week, of course, so Saturday through Wednesday will be final exams on the Nebraska campus. And Bill Moose asked the Big Ten to play this game on Friday, so it didn't coincide or conflict with any final exams that Huskers might have on Saturday. I would imagine that if they've got exams at noon on Saturday, that they'll they'll be able to uh, to find a different time to <laughs> to take yeah. them. The professors professors will work with them uh, on that, especially in in this year. But um, you know that's, that's so long ago that discussion that conversation. It seems like three seasons ago where Nebraska was talking about moving this Illinois game to a Friday night, and really we're only talking about mid September. So uh, two months ago when that Big Ten schedule came out. So. I'm with you on Purdue, Minnesota. I think it's 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 time where it's time for Minnesota to stand up and 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 do something, or you can just kind of start to kiss this season goodbye. Um, Purdue has more to play for, I would say at this point. I pick uh, I pick the Boilers to uh, to go into into the Twin Cities and win. Yeah, up at Gopherland, that could be a that could be a really interesting game because I think Minnesota just ran into a team defensively that was capable of stopping them and motivated to stop them. That, that, that's a, a rivalry game that outside of the two states, Iowa, Minnesota, is not well known. But it, there is, uh, it, it's literally called hate week for the Gophers. <laughs> it seriously is. And they have a chant, who hates Iowa, we hate Iowa. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, Kirk, that that should be on like ESPN's end of the year a video run is figured we'd take Floyd with us and leave the timeouts here. That, that for sure. quote needs to be out there for, for good. But I actually... You know, I, I'll take Minnesota in that one. I think Minnesota's gonna, you know, we'll let we'll let Jesse and Ari kind of determine point spreads if they even go there for that one. But I think this one might have an upset to it. So they need to pick all the games. If they're not if they're not picking Purdue at Minnesota, then I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, file a complaint on the uh, on the Friday show with uh, with those two going over over betting lines. So we've not been the best at picking really anything. Uh, last week you picked Amir Smith Marset, I believe. Yes. I didn't go back and listen, but that was my what my memory said. And yeah. he caught a touchdown in the uh, the big Iowa win at Minnesota, but was relatively quiet in the in the stats column. I picked the. Go ahead. Did you have I something was to say? say it was uh, really what was unfortunate about that was he beat the Minnesota corner in one-on-one coverage and was open for a fade for a touchdown and it got under underthrown and it hit the helmet of the gopher DB. Otherwise okay. I would have won last week too, but no, he got a, okay. he got one touchdown and you won the week. I concede. <laughs> I, I think I did. I picked Drake Anderson who did nothing, but I also went with Peyton Ramsey, the former Indiana quarterback now at Northwestern to go up against his old rival and do something big. And he did, he threw three touchdowns, so I'm giving it to me. I think I'm down one, one, uh, one and two to you. So this week I am going to go with Barry Alvarez's grandson, 
the Wisconsin tight end, Jake Ferguson. I think he's a matchup problem for Northwestern, although the Wildcats do have those great linebackers. He's going to get on a safety at some point or, or more than, than one time and do something big. I think Graham Mertz is going to connect with Ferguson multiple times, maybe multiple scores at Northwestern on Saturday and be a key for Wisconsin to go and win that game. What uh, what do you foresee for this weekend in the West? <laughs> I I can't pick between two running backs in the same game, and that's Xander Horvath from Purdue and, and Mo Ibrahim for Minnesota. I think they both could have three touchdowns or something. I'm going to go with, since I think the Gophers are going to win, I'm still going to go with Xander Horvath because I saw that defense the other day, and that was um, – you know, it looked like a Zamboni ran over it after the end. So I'm going to go Xander Horvath. I love that name. He looks like Mike Allstott from the 90s, uh, <laughs> Purdue running back. I'm looking at him going, wow, you know, he came back. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Xander Horvath. Greatest. Does he name. have a neck? Does he have a neck? He doesn't, have a, neck, he doesn't have a neck roll. That's the, that's the unfortunate <laughs> part. There's no Fitzgerald to him. There's no Allstott to him on that one. That's but he bad. looks that's like he's about five pounds shy of being Mike Allstott Jr. You could just pick Mo Ibrahim every week and probably do okay. Yeah. Just despite Minnesota's lack of success, he is putting up numbers. He is. So, yeah. yeah, he had 144 yards on 33 carries, and several of them were in the last drive when it was 30, 35 to nothing in the final oh. minutes, and they had him and Bateman and Morgan in, and I'm going – what are you guys doing? You don't want to get these guys hurt for this game, right? But. Hence hence the three timeouts. That's right. <laughs> well, they called a timeout with 19 seconds left on the four-yard line. You know, Minnesota did. And you, you could just read, you know, on TV after he watched it a couple of times, Kirk threw his mask. Um, something to the effect of, are you kidding me? And there might have been an extra word or two in there. And uh, so that there, <laughs> that's why they dropped three timeouts. When you can lip read through the mask, then you 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 really know that somebody was demonstrative in what they were saying. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, there's some hate there. That's that's par for the course for the last 130 years. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for today. We got games in the East scheduled for Saturday. Indiana at Ohio State. That is a big one. The two unbeaten's over in that division. 11 a.m. Central Time on Fox. A lot at stake. At the Horseshoe, Michigan State at Maryland, also 11 a.m. BTN. Michigan at Rutgers, 6.30 on BTN. Quite a bit less at stake in those two games than what's happening in the early game on Fox. So listen to the Big Football Show every day for more on all of those games. Please subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Review the show. Give us a five-star rating. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic for all of our coverage and much more. Next week, it's Thanksgiving. As we mentioned, Nebraska at Iowa. We'll have lots to talk about. Until then, be safe out there, and thanks for listening.